Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Face front, true believers. This is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. This is a month long celebration of all of the Marvel movies that came out before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's also part of the National Podcast Post Month Challenge, which is recording and posting an episode of a podcast every day for 30 days. It's been a really, really great experience going through all of these different movies, revisiting so many of them and some of them seeing for the very first time. And in lieu of an official ranking chart, which is something that I was considering doing right at the beginning, I'm actually going to be placing each of the Marvel movies with one of four badges. They're going to go with Strong Recommend, Recommend, Weak Recommend, or Not Recommend. I feel like... As it's going on right now, this is going to be the 24th film that I'm going to be discussing, and there's still another 11 to go, and it's it's going to be really difficult to say that like one is two spaces above the other or whatever. So I'm just going to make it easy on myself and just go ahead and set it up as just give them one of four categories. So this weekend, I'm going to be posting that list on a Google Sheet. So that way you'll be able to see it for yourself. And I would love your feedback on that. So when you can, just go ahead and check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash from duck till dark. A really great thing about this challenge is that it's forced me to see movies that I hadn't seen before or didn't want to see due to their reputation of being so bad or so ridiculous that it wasn't worth the effort. Then I remind myself that the first movie out of this out of this batch that I reviewed was Howard the Duck. And so you just gotta you just gotta go with it. And then turns out you discover something when you dive into a challenge like this, you discover something that you were expecting to hate, but instead wound up loving. And that's the topic of this week's episode, the 2012 film, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. And man, did this movie surprise me. I had no idea um, that it was going to be this much fun, this crazy, and it was going to deliver pretty much everything that I didn't even know that I wanted in a Ghost Rider movie. Now, I am not 
I'm not fluent with Ghost Rider. I know the character Johnny Blaze. I know his origins, and I know his. I know his look. He's got one of the m- most badass looks in all of Marvel Comics. And as I said before, I gave the 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 original 2007 movie a weak recommend, and I stand by that weak recommend because I felt that the villain was weak overall. Uh, Blackheart. And and I also felt that Nicolas Cage was dialing back for some odd reason and was giving us a performance that was that was decent but otherwise almost almost boring, like a little flat from what we're used to seeing with him. Um but then there was so there was so much cool stuff that I just couldn't I couldn't not I couldn't say don't go see it. I felt that Peter Fonda and Sam Elliott and the fully realized Ghost Rider character and the motorcycle and the different sequences involving that. I felt that all of that really kind of pushed it into just barely in the weak recommend category. This one, however, really goes into recommend and I was even flirting with the idea of pushing it into strong recommend because I had so much fun with this one. And one of the things that uh, that I've noticed, and this is something that I've noticed a while back when I've really gotten into comic book movies in general, it seems that whenever they go into a part two, they flirt with the idea, the main characters flirt with the idea of not being the hero about stepping away from it. It's basically the Superman 2 syndrome. Superman 2, it uh, has has a moment that's right around like the halfway point where, where Superman confronts either his father or his mother, depending on which cut you're seeing, the Richard Donner cut or the Richard Lester cut, basically asking for the chance to love one woman. And basically kind of put them above all others. And he is basically told that if he wants to choose that life of a mortal, then he must live as a mortal and become one of them. And so they basically set him up in a crystal chamber, which takes away his powers. And of course, not long after that, that's when he realizes that the whole world has basically been conquered. General Zod literally conquered the world. For a brief period of time, but he's one of those few villains that was able to actually do it. That's why I always kind of put General Zod in that elite chamber right at the very top of film of movie villains, not just not just comic book movie villains, but movie villains in general, because everyone always talks about dominating the planet. But he actually did it for, like I said, for a brief period of time. But he did it. He reached the top of that of that ladder. And so we saw that. We saw that same sort of dynamic happen in Spider-Man 2. We saw it in uh, we saw a little bit of it in The Dark Knight in 2008. And here we are again. But what is happening this time around? They did a little bit of tweaking with the Ghost Rider character. And this was something that I really enjoyed because they made the Ghost Rider this entity that is now it's he's coming out at will and but he's coming out at will whenever he sees like any sort of infraction whether it is 
someone committing a murder, or someone telling a lie. Whatever the case, he is going to come out, he is going to be fully realized through Johnny Blaze, and he is going to exact punishment, no matter what kind of infraction it is. And so it's becoming torture for Johnny to keep the Ghost Rider at bay. And because of that, because he is constantly dealing with trying to keep him bottled up, that's when we get the Nicolas Cage that we've been waiting for ever since the first film. He is manic. He is he is just he, you can see him just like shaking. He's he, he wants to just kind of let it all out and everything. But at the same time, he knows that if he lets it all out, then whoever he lets it all out on is going to be destroyed. And so he tries you know, his best to really kind of push everything in. And it reminds me of the role that he did in Face Off when he was playing when he was playing Sean Archer playing Caster Troy. Not full-on Caster Troy. There's there's a difference here. With the Sean Archer version of Caster Troy that Nicolas Cage was playing, he was trying to let that inner demon out and just kind of let everyone know that he is Caster Troy. But at the same time, he can't do it all the way. He can't commit himself to doing that all the way. So we kind of get that same sort of thing here, except instead of trying to let something out, he's trying to keep it bottled in here. And because of that, we get some really cool uh, moments and we get to see a performance that's really damn good. I really liked what Nicolas Cage brought to this. And I loved what the director team of Neville Dean Taylor uh, brought to it. These are the guys that gave us Crank and Crank 2. And so they have this manic energy already kind of ready to inject in whatever project they they work on. And boy, did they do it here in spades. I th- I just had so much fun. And I may be ruining it for you guys by kind of raising the expectations a little bit. But at the same time, man, I just had a blast with this. I had so much fun. The only thing that I would have done differently is I like Siren Hines. I like I I think he is he's a solid actor, but he's playing the role of Mephistopheles, which was played by Peter Fonda in the first one. Now, granted, like if if there's any sort of role that needs to be that's that it's okay with recasting, it's the devil. It is Mephistopheles because he takes on many forms. And so that's what we have here. That's what we have here. We have him in a new form. But it would have been so cool to, to have him do what he does and then slowly just reveal himself as the Mephistopheles that we knew in that first film. Because it doesn't matter if he that, that the demon can take on so many forms, but... Having that moment when he just looks exactly like he did when he first offered the deal to Johnny Blaze when he was a kid. And that would have been just so cool. That would have been great. But as it is, the only returning person from the from the first film is Nick Cage. And 
I still think that for for the most part, I think he did a really solid job with this. I feel like this was a, a definite improvement over the first film overall. It had a, a really good look to it. The effects looked looked re- looked really solid. Overall, I just had a lot of fun with this one. And it does have that element of Superman 2 syndrome because he is offered the opportunity to to allow his powers to leave him and that he can be at peace. And so he work goes back and forth with that ideal. And so there we have the Superman 2 element that's popping up in, in this one. But it works because we get to see we we get to see through so much of this movie just how much of a burden it is to not only have these powers but to keep them at bay and i can see like that would be absolutely exhausting especially considering the very very low standards that the ghost rider is going by he wants to he wants to punish at the drop of a hat and if someone jaywalks he'll go after them i think that was that made it for a really interesting dynamic over here and i thought that that was that allowed the manic energy that nicolas cage can bring out in full force and it was just damn it it was fun it was fun yeah i would i would give this a recommend i can't say a strong recommend um mainly because a lot of the other characters are forgettable, but overall, I think that overall, I, I believe that a solid movie has been made by these guys, and I give kudos to them, and I give kudos to Nicolas Cage for being able to finally be a comic book character on the big screen, and this would not be the first time he did it too, because he was also big. He was also Hit Girl's father and Kickass. And he was amazing as Spider-Man Noir in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. There, there is a lot of good stuff in, in these movies. There's a lot of great stuff that Nick, that Nick Cage was able to bring. Yeah, I would give this a solid recommend. Not a strong one, but a solid one. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts about this one, especially considering the fact that audiences were giving this one a C+, which is kind of like the kiss of death. And it opened up in third place, and critics re- kicked the crap out of it. Um, I just really liked this one. I really did. And I am interested to know what your thoughts are. So, like once again, go ahead and take a look at the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dark. I do need to update the page a little bit and add more of the movie posters for the ones that I've already discussed and put in little teasers for what is to come in the future. So... I'll be doing as soon as I can, but in the in the meantime, I'm going to keep on producing as much content as possible to to make it all the way through for you. I hope you've been enjoying this, and I look forward to any sort of feedback you may have. So, until next time, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward and excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>